Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. The year was 1995. Disney and Pixar had just released what should have been a standalone kids movie about a group of toys who came to life when children went to sleep. See, at the heart of the story, there were two characters. There was this guy named Woody, He was a pull-string cowboy, and he had been the favorite toy of six-year-old Andy for his entire life. And then a new toy, Buzz, a space ranger, arrives on the scene. Now, Toy Story really should have been just a simple kid's movie. You see, Woody is well-connected, and he's loved. He has friends around him, community around him. He is flourishing. But Buzz is brand new. He's completely alone. And he finds it hard to connect with Woody and the other toys in the story. And so the story begins. It should have been just a simple kids movie, but this movie took the world by storm. Adults and kids rushed to the theaters multiple times to watch the movie. And its popularity only grew. Today, the franchise is worth over $3.3 billion. One of the reasons it's been so wildly successful is because behind all of the toys is a simple story about growing up, a tale of relationships and learning how to connect with each other. And that is something that everyone can relate to, the difficulty it is to connect with each other and grow up. This past week, we did a kind of a little relationship health check-in on our social media. Uh, We asked four simple questions to diagnose where we are as a community when it comes to relational health. Now, if you didn't have a chance, I'm going to give you a chance right now. We're going to throw the questions up on the screen. The first one is this. You're going to put yourself somewhere on this line. I feel alone or I have trusted people in my life. Where would you fit on that line? Well, our community, 71% of us admitted that sometimes we might not have people in our lives. 6% of people said I feel alone all of the time. Next question. I can't say no, or I can say no. Can you say no, or can't you say no? Well, only 20% of our community admitted that they actually can say a firm no. The rest of us, I took this survey too, I'm somewhere in here, we struggle a little bit with saying no to those whom we love. Next question. I avoid difficult conversations, or I can navigate difficult conversations. Don't look at the person sitting beside you that you came with. Just think about yourself. Where do you fit on there? Let's see what our community says. Ooh, interesting. Only 19% of us are are able to have those difficult conversations with confidence with those that we love. Final question. I hold grudges. No elbow poking in this one. I forgive easily. Where do you sit on that scale? Well, 36% of us, that's pretty good. 
agree that we forgive pretty easily. 1% of us hold grudges, and 63% of us are somewhere in the middle. Well, you know what? This poll proved what we already know. Relationships are difficult to master, but God designed us to need each other. God wired us for community. This is what God says about community in the Bible. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. And a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. You see, God designed us, whether we like it or not, to need each other. We are in a family together, in this church family and in families outside of this building. And so today we're going to take a look at a couple of things. First thing we're going to look at is who is in your community. We're going to ask that. Who is in my community? Second thing we're going to learn today is we're going to talk about do any relationships in my community maybe need a rewire? And the third thing we're going to talk about is three strategies that will help us rewire those relationships that might need it. So we're going to have a bit of fun today. If you're joining us physically, you would have received one of those cards on the way in. Now, my people online, my friends online, all you really need is a white piece of paper and a pen, but there is going to be a link in the chat room. You can download the card as well, and we're going to be using this card. Now, before we launch into this, I want to highlight two books for you, and I want to give you a little disclaimer. I am not a relationship expert. I'm sure my husband, I'm sure my children think that I am, but I am not a relationship expert, but there are some amazing ones out there. And so today I'm going to be presenting some of their decades of research, and I want to highlight them for you today. The first book I'd highlight, I'd recommend, is Boundaries. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And the second one is Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. So pull out your cards. Everyone grab your cards. If you're online, just a white piece of paper is going to be fine. I'm going to invite you to write down the titles you're going to start seeing come up on the screen. And I'm going to explain these four quadrants to you. And as I go through them, what I want you to do is be thinking about your community. And you can jot down the names of the people who would fit within those boxes in your community. The top top corner right here is your core family. You can write core family. For many people, This is probably, you're going to list down the names of your parents, your siblings, your partner, your children. It could also include some best friends, the friends that you have chosen to be a part of your family. When you're writing down names in this box, I want you to think, if my house was on fire or I was laying in a hospital bed, this is who I would call. These are the people that sit on my emergency contact list. Next, we're going to go to the next one. This is going to be our extended family. Now, it's just, this, book is, this box is likely just an extension of the first box. These are people who are very close to you, but they might not receive that initial emergency call. This box is not determined by genetics, though sometimes it is, but more by choice. These are people who mean a lot to you. They're in your corner. They support you. These are people who you might invite for a birthday party, And they certainly would have a significant seat at your wedding reception. Okay, let's move down to this quadrant right here. This is everyday people. For everyday people, I want you to think about people, they they might not have the label of family, but they are very important to you. Interestingly, you might spend more time with these people 
than you even do in that box and that box. When I think about this box, when I fill this box out, I'm thinking probably about my neighbors. I'm thinking about my colleagues. Maybe my kid's piano teacher, I have a friendship with her. I see her all the time. Uh, a list of friends that I check in routinely with. This is who would end up in that box. And finally, we have the last box. And this is for social contacts. I want you to think of lists of groups of people rather than just specific people, kind of like categories of people. I'm thinking about the group of colleagues that you worked with at a different organization that you might see once a year. Maybe your university friends. Maybe groups of people that you have those WhatsApp or iMessage conversations going. You know, those constant conversations. You just check in with people. Maybe your children's friends, parents. On this list, I'd probably put Facebook friends, put Instagram friends, all those friendships that I have that I kind of gather up in my social contacts. And then finally, because I know that everyone's going to ask, I want you to put God in the middle of your diagram because God created us to have relationship with him. And he designed us so that through our relationship with him, it might fuel the other relationships in our life. So he sits there in the middle. Now, I want you to take a look at the list that you have just created. This is your current community. And I bet there's all sorts of people, all sorts of characters listed on your list. Uh, now, before we can determine if any of these relationships might need a rewire, I want to identify who these people are. Do you know that studies and experts all conclude that there's basically three different types of people? They give them different names uh, or different titles, but basically it boils down to these three categories. Dr. Henry Cloud says this, wise, foolish, and evil. I'm going to give you a basic definition of each one of these, and as I do, I want you to consider on your list where your people fall into. Are they wise? Are they foolish? Are they evil? If you're sitting beside somebody that you love, that you came with, go ahead and write a smiley face, a heart. Do not identify them on your list. They're automatic wise people, so no worries about that. Let's start with wise people. Wise people. Simply put, wise people use opportunities to grow and learn. In Proverbs, it says that wise people listen to counsel. They are sensible and they stay calm. I know all of you are wise people, so that's fantastic. See, when you're in a relationship with a wise person, you can approach them with some feedback or a problem that you're having. And that feedback will usually lead to growth, both for themselves and also for your relationship. Wise people are, open to have op are able to have open conversations. They can receive feedback. They can use it to address a current problem and they can change their actions. With wise people, problems do not often become patterns. Next, let's talk about foolish people. Foolish people will usually resist any feedback you try and give them. They will either provide you with a list of reasons and excuses as to why they are not wrong, they will blame someone else, or excuse their problems away. When you approach a foolish person with a conflict, the relationship will instantly become strained, and they will likely erupt in a conflict. Proverbs says this, foolish people think their own way is right, and they are quickly angered. Again, none of you. When you're in a relationship with a foolish person, you might find that a conversation usually ends with them being a victim. See, relationships with foolish people are tough, but it's important to note that foolish people aren't, inten un aren't intentionally hurting other people, which is very different from evil people, because evil people intentionally hurt others around them. This is what Proverbs 
not me, God, says about evil people. Evil people desire evil and their friends will receive no mercy from them. Simply put, they desire to hurt other people around them. They set out and they mean to do it, maybe for a variety of different reasons, maybe because they've been hurt in the past, they haven't healed in the past, but for some reason they are intentionally trying to hurt and cause damage to those who are around them. It's very difficult to be in a relationship with an evil person. So we have wise people, foolish people, and evil people. And I bet that you have at least one of all of these people on your list. Not the person sitting beside you, though. Here's the important thing we need to remember as we're talking about relationships. How we rewire our relationships depends on what type of person we are in a relationship with. So as we're talking about rewiring our relationships today, I want you to remember that we need to interact with foolish people in a different way that we would interact with a wise person. Which brings us to our first strategy on how to rewire our relationships, and it's this. Prioritize communication. I know, everyone loves communication. A few months ago, my phone started asking me if I wanted to update to the latest software that was available for my phone. I was probably in the middle of something very important, so what did I do? Well, I hit that later or ignore button. Then later that week, it popped up again, and I was very busy as well at that time, so again, I hit ignore, trying to make it go away, and on and on it went for weeks, my phone asking me to update the software that it needed, and me hitting the ignore later button. Fast forward a few months, and I found myself needing to go to the Apple store because my phone was, for some reason, experiencing significant issues. So I booked an appointment online, and 30 minutes before that appointment, I received this email. Hey, we're so glad, Jessica, you're going to come in. Uh, just make sure that you have the latest software on your phone when you come. Well, that was a problem. So chastising myself for not just doing it the millions of times it had asked me to earlier in the past couple of months, I hit that button and realized it was going to take over an hour for it to update on my phone. So I drove to the store and I didn't have a phone because it's now updating and it's completely locked. Then I get to the, phone for, I get to the store for my appointment. I have to sit there and wait for over 30 minutes for my phone to complete just because I hadn't done it earlier on. Friends, our relationships with each other are kind of like my experience with updating the software on my phone. We can get by for a while, ignoring the need to stop and check in with each other, to have those conversations that we need to, but eventually, if we keep, keep hitting that ignore button that's coming up in our relationships, eventually we're going to find ourselves at a halt, forced to face the fact that we have been ignoring each other for far too Long. So how do we prioritize communication in our relationships? First, let's remember, it's a different approach depending on who we are dealing with. If we're communicating with a wise person, we want to make sure that we are identifying issues with them, that we're talking about issues, speaking up and addressing what is causing tension within the relationship, even if that conversation is uncomfortable. A principle that we practice here at One Church TO on staff is that we want to walk towards the mess, walk towards the mess. This means that we have hard conversations instead of ignoring them. See, when we come across conflict in our lives, the easier approach often feels like, I'm just gonna leave that in the corner and I'm gonna go walk over here. But as Pastor Jonathan said last week, our feelings aren't always telling us the truth, are they? 
Walking towards the mess, having that awkward conversation, addressing the situation that's causing disharmony is actually easier in the long run because it opens up the opportunity to just dialogue about what's going on instead of creating these false narratives inside our head. The second thing we want to keep in mind when we're communicating with somebody who is wise is we want to communicate often and intentionally. So our family has a very busy schedule. We have three children. They're in the stage where life is very, very busy right now. They have lots of needs and lots of programs and lots of friends, and we don't have a life. And so there can often be days and weeks in which Skip and I barely sit down and have a real conversation. And a few days is okay, but when it goes past a week, I find that stress fractures kind of show up in our relationship. Anyone can identify with that? Uh, if, we're, if we haven't discussed about anything beyond who is picking up what kid, for what activity on what given night, we start to see a little problems within our relationship. That's why good, consistent communication is key. A while ago, I came across this really simple practice, and it's called the relationship check-in. And you do this, you can do this with your uh, spouse, you can do it with a friend, you can do it with a colleague, you can do it with anyone. But basically, the relationship check-in, what you do is you ask three questions. So you make sure that you sit down together and you do three things. The first thing you talk about is the positive changes I'm seeing in you or in our relationship. So you encourage each other. You celebrate the positive things that are going on in your relationship. The second thing that you want to ask is the problems I'm seeing in you and I's relationship. Again, you're not going to come with a list of 15. You're going to come with one. And the third one is one goal I'd like to set up for our relationship. One thing that I'd love to work towards together. So again, we're celebrating, we're identifying, and we're working together towards a common goal. Things to keep in mind if you want to put this thing into practice. You want to schedule a time where you can be distraction-free, where like you're going to give that person your undivided attention. You want to make it fun. These conversations might get a bit awkward, so you go do something that you want to do. Maybe you go to a new restaurant. Maybe you make a meal together. Maybe you go on a walk or a hike. Um, a few years ago, 10 years ago now, Skip and I had a billion children at home, uh, and we never could leave. There was no one to watch these kids. They were crying. We were in charge of them all the time. And so what we did was we invested in this used hot tub that continues to cause Skip so much problems in life because it's always leaking. But what we did was we thought, at least if we had a hot tub in our backyard, we could spend time together. And that's actually where we now have some of our difficult conversations. It's, it makes, we're enjoying ourselves. We're more relaxed and we're able to connect in a way that we probably wouldn't if we were in our house around all our screaming children. So what you want to do is you want to go into this conversation. You want to make sure that you have already thought about what you want to say. It's not a conversation to sit there and be like, oh, well, let me think about all the things you've done wrong. No, you definitely want to have given it some thought, some prayer before you enter that conversation. And you want to be open because you're not the only one that's going to come with some needs, <laughs> with some problems. That person's going to come. And you want to be open to be able to hear what they actually have to say. But what about your, if you're in a relationship with a foolish person? Well, your communication is going to be affected. Remember, they will always have reasons why they were not the problem. So identifying a problem is not going to work in the same way. When communicating with a foolish person, you need to communicate consequences. This is likely the hardest lesson to learn when it comes to relationships, is how to determine what is your responsibility and what is not, and then communicate that to somebody else. That is what they call a boundary which introduces us to strategy number two, 
prioritize boundaries. Now, I'll be honest, Christians have a really difficult time with this. Followers of Jesus seem to struggle in this area. Sometimes we've been taught to think that saying no is selfish or harmful or mean. Sometimes we've misinterpreted the principle of laying down our lives to mean laying down like a doormat for everyone else to walk over. And Jesus did not teach that principle or call anyone to it. I can hear some arguments now, oh, but isn't, aren't we as Christians supposed to love everybody? Yes, but it was God who introduced boundaries by introducing consequences for behaviors. See, God is always clear on his expectations, which are boundaries, and clear on what happens if people don't meet the expectation, which are consequences. Throughout history, God has continually set standards for his people. You should not eat from that tree or you will have to leave the garden. Do not disobey the Ten Commandments or life will not go easy for you. See, boundaries define what we are responsible for and what we are not responsible for. Ephesians 4, 24 to 27 says this, stop telling lies. Tell your neighbors the truth. Don't be controlled by anger. Don't abuse others. Don't steal. Don't gossip. Don't rage. See, these are all boundaries that God has put on ourselves And he tells us that they're good to put on other people. See, boundaries set a clear expectation of what you expect someone else to do in relation to you. And perhaps the simplest boundary is to create a boundary with a foolish person who refuses to take responsibility of their own actions. And I found the best way to do that is to simply remove a part of your relationship from them. Now, that's harsh, I can hear you now. That's harsh. Well, that's exactly what God chose to do. When humanity went and chose their own way, God separated himself from them. When they made choices that were going to cause destruction to themselves and others, God removed his relationship with them. I'm going to invite you to pull that card out again. Now, the list on the front that you made is your community map. It's who you are in community with. Uh, And sometimes we can think that that's a hierarchy list. Like, whoever's in the top box, that's the person that gets to be closest to you. But in reality, you get to choose who's closest to you in that list. There's this saying that goes, you are the average of the five people that you spend time with. Now, I'm not sure if that's scientifically true. I'm not a doctor. I do know that it has been true in my life. The people I choose to spend the most time with act like a mirror for who I am going to be in the future. This is one of the reasons I chose to come here to pastor at One Church to You. As lovely as all of you are, as welcoming as you have been to my family, and as amazing as what God is doing here, and there has been some incredible things that God is doing within our community. I'm so grateful for the season at One Church to You that we find ourselves in. But there is this guy named Pastor Jonathan Smith, who I admire and respect so much. And when the opportunity came to come work with him and spend every day with him, well, I jumped at the opportunity. Friends, it's so important who you let sit in those five seats of your life. And so I want to do one more exercise together. I want you to turn the page. I'm going to invite you to complete this circle to represent your community map as it currently sits today. That inner circle is your core. You can place up to five names within that circle. 
These are the people that you will share everything with. And it's not the future. It's not like, oh, no, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to add some new people. No, who's right in there right now with your core? Who do you share everything with? They know you. They know your struggles, your victories. When a crisis hits, they're there for you. They'll have your back no matter what. Your name is safe in their mouth, whether you're in the room or you're not. The next circle is your community. And you can put up to 10 names in here. These are the people you share important information with. They're the ones who show up when you're sick. They're the ones who know far more than social media status update. You can trust these people because you can tell them things about your life. Now, it's important to note, though, that these people might not keep your confidence 100% of the time, which is okay, not ideal, but okay, because you're only sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with your core. And finally, we have the acquaintance circle. This is where the majority of everyone else you know fits in. Your social contacts, those lists of people, the WhatsApp chat groups. This is who you share high-level updates with. Like, I started a new job. I graduated with a degree. I'm moving to a new city. We're welcoming a new baby. We're grieving the loss of someone that we love. We started a new business. We're celebrating an accomplishment that our children have done. We're getting a new puppy. These are the people that you share all of those things with. And it's interesting to note that there's probably some wise, foolish, and maybe even some evil people sitting within that circle. Here's where the boundary laying starts to happen. Because these circles are boundaries within your life. We should be able to tell everything to our core, important things to our community, and some things with our acquaintances. Now, I want you to look at that map, and I want you to ask yourself, is someone currently sitting within the wrong circle of my life? Is there someone sitting in the core that maybe should not be there? Is there a foolish person sitting there? You may need to set a boundary. And there's practical ways you can set boundaries. And this week, we're going to release an online teaching where we're going to deep dive into how we set boundaries. How do we practically do that in the different relationships that we all find ourselves in? So you're going to want to watch that, and you're going to want to share that teach. But the simplest way I've ever found to set a boundary is to ask myself, is there maybe a relationship represented on my map that needs to move from an inner circle to an outer circle for a season? See, upholding boundaries means being willing to move people farther in the circle as a consequence for their behavior. See, moving people helps us to enforce our boundaries and help others understand that there's consequences to their actions. And at the same time, once someone has proven that they've grown and grown from a foolish person to a wise person, that's when you move them back into the inner Circle. It's a great gift that we can give to someone, bringing them back into relationship once they have improved. This practice helps us understand that we can set clear expectations for our relationships. It works really well with foolish people. It's like you're saying, you can be in this type of relationship with me if you uphold these expectations in the relationship. But if you choose not to, then I'm not going to be in that close of relationship with you which leads us to the following final strategy. Prioritize forgiveness. Oh, this is a hard one. One of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, once asked him, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who has wronged me? Do you think maybe Jesus seven times might be enough? No, I love Peter here. He probably thinks he's being generous. Like, doesn't the saying go, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I think that if someone has wronged me 
five times, six times, my forgiveness level has kind of run out at that point. But Jesus replies to Peter and he says, well, actually, you should forgive them 70 times, seven times. Peter goes, 70 times, seven times? That's a ridiculous number, Jesus. And so Jesus goes on to tell a story to Peter. He tells him a story about a king. There was this king, and a lot of people owed this king a lot of money. So the king started to decide he was going to cash in on some of his debts. And he called one of his servants in who owed him $100,000. Pay up, said the king to the servant. I can't, said the man, listing so many reasons as to why he didn't have $100,000 in his pocket. And so the king declared that the man and his children and his wife would all have to pay for the debt that the servant had incurred. Well, the servant fell to his knees and he begged the king king to please give him a little bit of time so that he could pay it back and his lives of his family members wouldn't have to be the cost. And the story goes that the king was so moved that he declared that not only would he give the servant time to pay it back, he would actually completely forgive the debt of $100,000 and the servant would walk out free. Amazing. Well, as soon as the servant left the palace, he grabs one of his servants by the throat and demands that he gives him $10 that he had borrowed from him last week. Pay up now, he yelled to the man. And the man said, I don't have $10. I'm so sorry, I don't have $10. And the servant had the man thrown into jail because he couldn't pay him $10. And eventually the story makes its way back to the king who summons the servant back and he questions him. Why would you not forgive a measly $10 when I forgave you $100,000 of debt. Friends, this is what it's like to God. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, this is what it is like to God when he so willingly forgives you everything wrong that you've ever done, that you withhold forgiveness from someone who has wronged you even once. Forgiveness is not an option for followers of Jesus because God commands that we willingly forgive others the wrongs that they have done against us, just as he has forgiven us the wrongs that we have done against him. But there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. See, forgiveness does not say what you did was okay. Instead, forgiveness says, I'm releasing the hold that this situation has on my life and on yours. You no longer owe me for the debt that you incurred. See, forgiveness actually frees us. It doesn't mean that you need to remain in relationship with that person any longer. It just means that you've untied yourself from the situation so that you can heal from it and also so that they can heal from it as well. See, forgiveness is not a choice, it's a commandment. But reconciliation is. See, reconciliation is saying, you can now come back into a relationship with me. What I found about reconciliation is that it's possible with a wise person. Because when we are in relationship with a wise person and they hurt us, we're able to communicate that hurt to them and we're able to put up some boundaries and they're able to make some changes so that it doesn't become a pattern. Most times the wise person is able to change their ways over a course of time. But when we are in relationship with a foolish person, reconciliation is going to take more time. Often firm boundaries need to be put into place for a while and the foolish person needs to work on changing their actions and prove that they are making work 
and progress, progress, prove that they are becoming more wise. Now, in those situations, it's very important that as followers of Jesus, we practice forgiveness. We want to release them from any debt that they've incurred by us or from us so that they can heal and they can grow and they can move on. And then if they're able to heal and grow and move on and show changes, what can happen? Well, reconciliation can take place. Restoring the relationship to what it once was. Usually, this means you can bring them back into an inner intimate circle within your circle map. This is what God did for us. In the garden, when humanity chose to break God's boundaries, the consequences was separation of relationship. See, we moved out of God's inner circle because of the choices that we had made. But God still loved us, even though we broke that boundary. And when we become followers of Jesus, what we're doing actually is we're admitting, hey, I was foolish. I was breaking all the boundaries you had put in place. And I want to change my life. I want to come back into relationship with you. I want to make choices that are obedient so that I can stay in intimate relationship with you. And that's the beauty of reconciliation, friends. The ability to move back into the inner circle when our actions have made a change in our hearts. Friends, who sits in the core of your life really, really matters. I'd encourage you to do a review every once in a while. Look at that map. Who is sitting in that core circle? Does any extended relationship or core relationship maybe need a rewire? As we close this morning, I'm going to pray for each of us. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, I can see myself in each of the categories that we've went through today. There have been times in my life where I have been the identified problem, the foolish person that someone else is in a relationship with. I've caused hurt through my own actions. And maybe like me, you can say, you know what? There's been times where I've sat in that foolish category. Maybe like me, you can, you can admit, hey, there's foolish people on my community map. And I'm recognizing maybe I need to do some relational rewiring in some of my relationships. Friends, God promises that he'll help us navigate difficult conversations. And he'll help us to radically show love to others by forgiving them and stepping towards reconciliation. If we prioritize communication, make sure that we're identifying issues with people who are wise, identifying consequences for those who are not, and then lovingly communicating our expectations, setting clear boundaries. If you do this, then I will do this. And maybe today, you know what? You're sitting here and you're recognizing that you need to practice some forgiveness with those who sit in your circles. Maybe that's been a hard word for you, forgiveness. Maybe you didn't really understand it. Again, it's not saying it's okay what you did. It's saying I'm releasing you from the debt that you have incurred because you did something to me. I'm going to release you from that situation and the hold that it has on my life and yours so that you can heal and so that I can heal too. So that I can become wiser and so that you can become wiser. That's the beauty of reconciliation. That's what God does for us. He forgives us. He invites us back into relationship and that's what he's modeled for us to do in our relationships. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that you modeled relationships so well for us. I think of my friends today that would admit that they have been the identified problem. 
that they have been the foolish person that sat within a relationship. Maybe, God, that was years ago. Maybe it's today. Maybe they're sitting beside someone right now and they're, they're recognizing, you know what, that's me. If they were brave enough to write an F beside my name, foolish, they would do that, God. Father, would you help us? Would you forgive us for the wrong choices that we've made that have hurt other people in our lives, God? And then would you take that pain and would you change it? Because you can do that, God. Help us to grow to be more obedient, God. Help us to grow to honor the people around us, Father. And I also pray for my friends who have been hurt by others who they have been in relationship with, God. Would you help us to prioritize communication in our relationships? Would you help us learn to set clear expectations, God? Clear boundaries around the people that we love? Would you help us to recognize that it's a gift that you gave to us and we can give to other people? Father, I think of my friends who struggle with forgiveness. Would you help them? Would you help them in this area not to hold wrongs against other people, but instead just release, God, the debt that has been done against them, God, so that they can heal and that those who they've been in relationship can heal. Father, and when the time is right, when it's healthy for both them and the other person, God, would you help us to take steps towards reconciliation, Father? Because we know that's your model, Father. You did that for us, God. And so when it's healthy, I pray that you would help us to do that for those whom we love, God. Father, I thank you that you have modeled authentic, life-giving relationships. You've shown us how to love each other through your love for us, God, through your forgiveness that was secured by the cross, and through your willingness to live in reconciled relationships with us. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.